Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Now on SportsCenter at 6, Golden Dreams, LeBron to the Warriors? Crazy as it sounds? Maybe. The case for the possible and impossible of the new super team dream. Blake Griffin makes his Detroit debut tonight, one week away from the trade deadline. Who else could be on the move? And green lifer grunt. Hear what the Patriots tight end says about playing in Super Bowl 52. You can't take it easy on the go. Here's Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Six. We will welcome reporters and analysts from every corner of the sports world, from the Super Bowl to tonight's huge South Carolina-UConn game. And while we're in the welcoming mood, I'm pretty sure Blake Griffin will get a big welcome when he makes his debut in the D tonight. More on that in a moment. But first, let's begin with something that's super fun to discuss, but it ain't never, ever, ever, ever going to happen. Exactly. In the immortal words of the late, great Reverend B.W. Stewart, who in the hell left the gate open? Chris Haynes reports that if the Warriors could create a max salary slot this offseason, Golden State could position itself to secure a meeting with LeBron. Not sign him, but get a meeting. No idea why either party would ever entertain this, why the Warriors need to break up the band to sign LeBron, let alone merely get an audience with him, nor why LeBron would take bandwagon jumping to the lowest level, but apparently he'd listen if they called. If, listen to the Warriors today, sounds like they're with me, that this is somebody else's pipe dream. What was the first thing that went through your mind when you saw that? Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> nah, no, uh, we love what we have in here, I don't even think that's... Close to being a true story. Um, we understand you want to grow the business of the game. LeBron James is the biggest name in basketball. And for the last two years, everybody has been wondering where he's going to go and if he's unhappy with Cleveland. So I understand that part. It's, it's fun to see that suspense, but we're just getting away from the real game. You know, we're getting away from what really matters, and that's just playing ball and getting better and enjoying the game. So more so people enjoy that type of stuff in basketball, and I get it. And it's also going to just make our game bigger but i don't know if you want to grow it that way it is fun but it's just this is too far-fetched for my liking you know but that's what makes it great it's not great it is Stop. so great it's West, so great they asked him about the lebron room and he said he got to get 23 from draymond not happening <laughs> now in fairness haynes writes that there is no indication that golden state is evaluating options to acquire lebron at this time but okay people are talking about it so let's play along and play this out Bobby Mark says one way the Warriors could pull it off would be for James to opt into his deal for next season, let the Cavs set up a trade with Golden State. Kind of how the Rockets and Chris Paul did last summer with the Clippers. Another way would be to sign and trade with the Warriors, who would likely have to part with Klay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, and Sean Livingston, plus it would require KD to take another pay cut. Details, or the details. Warriors could go about creating $35 million through Durant, taking a pay cut, and somehow jettisoning Green, Klay, Iguodala, and Livingston in separate deals. I mean, come on, man, look at this. Warriors that have to cut loose most of their core just to get 31 million in cap space. Bob Myers, are you really about that blow it up life to add LeBron when you're an already great, already already all time great team as it is? Like, come on. I can't talk about other players and other teams. It's uh, not allowed to. I wouldn't do it anyway. So, so hypotheticals aren't. They should they should be disallowed too. In this league, I've seen it all. You know, and so. Nothing really surprises you anymore, but, you know, it's uh, out of left field, out of left field, so, hey, you know, 
exciting for the NBA. I'm sure they like it. First of all, why is LeBron worried about respecting the Warriors' winning culture? After all, I thought this was a rivalry. But more important, if the Warriors were for some strange reason willing to do what it would take to position themselves to get a meeting, why would LeBron ever consider joining the Warriors, Wendy? He's got to draw the line somewhere, right? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I've been around this league too long to, to rule anything out. Right. <laughs> and I also know that when you are, when you are in the NBA – and you are representing a player, or you are a player who's a free agent, you take every phone call. So the concept that LeBron would take a phone call from anybody, what the Warriors are just as strange it would be to take a phone call from the Jazz, that's not crazy. Hmm. But what I think is more important here, Michael, is we have a communication problem with LeBron. LeBron has sat around since last summer. He saw Jimmy Butler get traded. He saw Paul George. He saw Carmelo Anthony. He saw Chris Paul. He's seen Blake Griffin get traded. None of those guys got traded to the Cavs. He is wondering why the Cavs are not showing more action. Meanwhile, we've got the Cavs saying to LeBron, we have a hard time making a trade because you won't commit. Mm -hmm. And what's developed here is an adversarial relationship between star player and team. And that opens the door for these kinds of things to develop. The, tr the truth of this rumor or the next rumor or the rumor after that isn't as important as what this is revealing about LeBron and the Cavs' relationship, which is serious cracks as he heads towards free agency. Well said. What we have here is a failure to communicate. But you're right. Never say never because once upon a time, many a person would have said there's no way in hell LeBron goes back to Dan Gilbert. Sure enough, he went back to Cleveland. But still, the Warriors, but you're right. It's about the bigger picture here as it relates to LeBron and his relationship or lack thereof. Brian Windhorst with amazing perspective as always. Thank you, man. All right, now let's talk about an NBA story that did actually happen. Thank you. Blake Griffin making his debut in Detroit tonight. Hey, Detroit, y'all got to get my man some gators because that should have been what he was wearing in his very first game in the D. Get him some gators prompto. But there's better ways to... Welcome Blake Griffin, or e equally better ways. You see him there with the jersey. Uh, there's also some T-shirts. Look at that. And people say Detroiters aren't friendly. I'm just tickled that you now have to root for Blake Griffin. What's After wrong all the that? stuff you talk about him hey, over the hey, years. Hey, hey, let's not, why are you bringing now? up old stuff? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but here's why the thirst for Blake Griffin in Detroit is real and warranted. Blake will provide some much-needed scoring punch to the Pistons, who have ranked 26th in the NBA in points per game since December 1st. Also, Detroit hasn't had someone score 20 a game in 12 years. The Pistons also will find ways to create for Blake as 58% of their makes come off of assists. Griffin has only had 46% of his shots come off assists this season, which is on pace for a career low. And Blake has the star power to bring in more fans. Detroit currently ranks 19th in the league in average attendance this season, despite this being their first season in a brand-new arena. Now, here is Stan Van Gundy on the new acquisition a short while ago. It's not easy to just go out there in a matter of uh, an hour and 15 minutes in the morning, and, uh, you know, that's our system. I mean, think about it. You're halfway through your first practice of training camp. All right, time to play. Here we go. So uh, you don't know what's going to happen. I've seen it go... Uh, go every which way well it is a fresh start it doesn't really feel like opening night I'm not this tired on opening night um, as I am in game 50 but but it is a fresh start yeah and I think our guys feel that and um, and feel good about that all right my man Nick Fredell is right there in the D for Blake's debut how will Stan Van Gundy use Blake Griffin tonight <laughs> Jamel Stan said this is the first time in his entire career that he's had a player who's starting for him 
where they haven't even gone through a full practice. So they had the hour this morning. Everything's going to be very basic. Stan wants to keep things simple. This is going to be the baseline for everything else they do while Griffin is here. I expect a lot of Griffin and Drummond, see how they play off one another. But I can promise you within this organization, there is a ton of excitement. And to get my, my full Sal Pal on right now, these shirts are on every chair in this arena. Everybody is pumped up, and I'm going to make sure that I send one to you. They gave me an extra one to send to Bristol because I know you got to be a little excited as well. I'm very excited. And get one for Mike, too, because I don't want him to feel left out. Oh, like you no, know, I don't even gave one to me. He's going to burn it. T-shirt. I'm good. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. I appreciate that. See how you just shaded us? We can't, you never let us have nice yeah, things, Mike. Be great. Speaking of great, what's up, bro? Yeah. Captain Jack, how you doing? Now, a lot of people made comparisons between Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan to Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. So tell us why this Blake-Andre Drummond sort of duo will be different than that one. I don't think it'll be too different. I think the, the only difference is Blake is going to dominate the East. I mean, he's, he's going to be a, a real force in the East. He's going to make Detroit better. They're already a playoff team right now. But it's just gonna it's gonna be the same thing that that was in L.A. They don't have a point guard to, to actually throw lives, but those guys are gonna play off each other just like uh, Blake and D.J. did, and then they're, they're gonna be good. I don't know how good, but it's gonna, it's gonna be the same thing. So he was obviously shocked having just signed the extension, and as he said, finding out on Twitter and getting moved the first year of that new deal. Clippers felt like they had to do it. Obviously, the Pistons, for all the reasons Jamel laid out, needed to do it. Could it be that this actually might be the best thing for Blake? This change, he may not realize it now. But as time goes on and he gets immersed in that culture and in that city, mm-hmm. that this turns out to be the best thing for his career, too. You in a hard-nosed city, you in a tough city, he needs to be around that. You know, he, he, ha- he has a reputation of being punked. He has a reputation of being knocked down and not defending his teammates. He needs to be in a city like this, and hopefully some of that will absorb on him and then start to, you know, transfer to his play. Because I think if it, if it does... He'll be a better player. And as Jamel can attest, when they love you in Detroit. Oh, it's nothing like it. So. <laughs> and they love me in Detroit still. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know how we feel about exactly. you, right? Uh, thanks, Steven. We appreciate you joining no us. Now, Griffin will try to become the fourth player in Pistons history to score at least 30 in their debut with the team. The only others, Stack, AD, and Isaiah Thomas. Last five time also they got in their 20s, McAdoo. Oh. Now, let's just say that if you're a Patriots fan, we've got a very, very, very important and hopeful sign about Rob Gronkowski's availability for the Super Bowl. We have some news, people. So come on back now, you hear? Uh, so the assumption has been that all the coaching changes the Packers made in the offseason were sanctioned by Aaron Rodgers. Turns out, not exactly the case. More details on that when we return. Do you think you'll play, Grok? Do you think you'll play on Sunday? Uh, Do you think you'll play on Sunday? Uh, yes. You think you'll play? Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> <There we> go. <laughs> All right, we can now officially say that Gronk just wasn't being overly optimistic. He is playing. Today he officially cleared the concussion protocol and met with reporters a short time ago. Few believe that Gronk would miss Sunday's Super Bowl, but we can at least put this portion of the story to bed. As for what it officially means for the Patriots, let's send it out to Steve Levy and the crew in Minneapolis. Fellas, the floor is yours. Sports Center on the road, confidently presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Greetings from Minneapolis. Soup 52 is so close you can almost taste it. Thursday was the final day of the players' media availability, and that included Rob Gronkowski, meaning Gronk is good to go. 
going through the protocol, whatever the standards were, whatever they had uh, had me do uh, throughout the weeks. I mean, I would say they were more on the cautious side of getting me out there right away with the bye week and everything in between, which definitely helped out big time. But uh, just did every step by step every day, and uh, everything went smooth. And uh, officially got the word today that I was cleared. So it was super nice to hear uh, from the doctors going through the whole process and ready to roll. We've been having a couple good practices this week, and uh, it's just good to be out there with the boys, getting the chemistry down, and uh, it was a good day. Rob, what were you specifically able to do today? Uh, everything. I was cleared. Uh, so today I, I was able to do everything everything that I was asked to do out there on the field. So I'll be ready to roll in the game. I'll be full go, ready to roll. I knew I was going to be playing the whole time. Uh, but I was just obviously being cautious, too. Um, I didn't want to jump right into it right away. Uh, the, the team didn't want to do it. it was, I think we did the process very well. Rob, when you took the hit, you got up woozy. How shaken up were you? Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to talk about that, uh, about how shaky up I was and everything. I mean, that'll be for another time because I got a big game coming up. Uh, with the Super Bowl, but I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely, I did get a concussion for sure. I mean, I, obviously, or else I would have never been in the protocol uh, this whole time for the last uh, 10 days or however long it's been. But uh, everything's going good. I'm just looking forward to the big game now. I'm ready to roll, and that's that's all I'm looking forward to. Rob, did you think that was a dirty hit? Uh, it's football. Uh, it is what it is. I mean, it's a, it's a split second uh, to make a decision, and it's it's running full speed one way i'm going the other way uh it's just part of the game uh it happens and uh just gotta move on i'm joined now by teddy bruski and minnesota's favorite son randy moss in the house it's good to, hey it's good to be back guys welcome home Your people. Hey, and uh, you were kind enough to sign those two jerseys. Maybe in a few days, might have to add three letters to it. HOF maybe after that. You know, it feels good, but it does feel good to be home and thank everybody for that genuine love. All the Viking fans. <laughs> you know, but I'm here, you know, I'm here to do my job. But like yes. you said, man, I am here to hopefully Saturday night be able to uh, be elected into this year's class of the NFL Hall of Fame. HOF. I think if the vote was taken inside here, you'd be a slam dunk. Teddy, how about the news today about Gronk? Very unpatriot-like. I thought they would have made us wait until Sunday, make it a game-time decision. Just like Randy Moss going into the Hall of Fame this Saturday, this was strictly a formality, okay? <laughs> With Rob Gronkowski clearing con concussion protocol. Yeah. We all knew he was going to be there. This is strictly a formality, just sort of the clearance from the doctors. Rob was ready to go. He sort of said it Tuesday. You saw it with Joe Cena. This guy has been... It isn't lower extremity, it isn't shoulder, it isn't ankle, it isn't knee. I'm not going to discount, you know, the seriousness of the head injury, yes. But these type of concussions, when you suffer them, two weeks is a lot of time to come back. And there was no doubt in my mind but that Rob was going to be ready to play for this game. So he's got the clearance, Clarence. He is certainly good to go. Look at Rob's playoff numbers for his career and his numbers, as you would expect, eye-popping. How about 59, his reception total? That ranks fifth among tight ends all time. The next number that jumps out at you is 856. That's Gronk's receiving yard total in 12 playoff games. He leads all tight ends in NFL history in that department. And the last number is the money number, 10. Gronk's 10 touchdown catch lead all tight ends. In fact, the only players, regardless of position, with more touchdown catches. How about John Stallworth and Jerry Rice? 
There were four tight ends who led their team in receiving this season. Two of them will be playing in the Super Bowl, and Rob Gronkowski and Zach Ertz. Gronk has four career 1,000-yard receiving seasons, tied with Kellen Winslow, Jason Witten, and Tony Gonzalez for most all-time among tight ends. Also catching a postseason touchdown pass, singular, not plural, from Tom Brady, was Randy Moss. Let me Remember get Super Bowl 42? This <laughs> isn't Super Bowl 42. No gloves necessary. <laughs> so what about it? Tell me about the significance of the official news today that Gronk is good to go Sunday for Brady and the Pats. You know, when you said, you know, you heard Gronk talking about he knew he was going to play, but like you said, he had to wait on the doctor's clearance. You know, for me, it just gives, you know, Josh McDaniels the play caller all the plays that he wants to use. And for me, what I'm looking forward to seeing on Sunday is how they're going to flex Gronkowski out as the single receiver and see if they're going to put a linebacker, they're going to put Malcolm Jenkins, or who they're going to put on him. It's so, also the, it's also the selection for Tom Brady. If It's easy. In, in man-to-man situations, his number one choice is right there. It's 87. That's who I'm looking to. If you don't have him doubled nine times out of ten, possibly ten times out of ten, that's who I'm throwing it to. If you don't respect him as, as a threat and you think you have a linebacker or a safety that can cover him, they're going to try you. And Gronk's going to win most of the time. When the Patriots have Gronk in the playoffs, their record is 9-3. and three. Without him, they still win. They're 4-2. and two. But let's remind the people that two teams are going to play on Sunday. Let's talk about the Eagles for a second. Teddy, that's the number four total defense in the NFL from Philadelphia. How do they play against Gronk in the New England offense? This defense comes off the bus pressure in the passer. And I think listen, you have to... Figure out where it's coming from because defense coordinator Jim Schwartz will be complex. He will bring safeties like he does right here. Defensive end going inside, off of play action, and all of a sudden, they catch you off guard. There's a DB blitz right there. Linebacker show over the center. A little bit of a fake look outside. Running back doesn't have enough time to pick it up. Five man. Where's that fifth man coming from? They are very creative on how they do it. And they got this guy in the middle, Randy. His name's Fletcher Cox. And all he's going to do is bully you, push you back. That's what Tom Brady doesn't want to see. They can also just let him loose, and he can get pressure also. It's the main goal, of course, how they get pressure on Tom Brady. And you know, for me, I think that the Super Bowl win or loss is going to be on Fletcher Cox. He has to play for four quarters. Yes, the New England Patriots have showed, you know, a little chink in their armor up front and uh, breaking down, especially at the guard play and the center play. And I know that Fletcher Clark is at the top of his position. So for them, in order to bring a Super Bowl home to Philadelphia, I think it's all on Fletcher Cox and them boys up front. Hey, we're about to get out of here. Seriously, man, good luck on Saturday night. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. That's the story from now, from Minneapolis, as we in closer to Super Bowl 52. Now, according to my source at Radio Row in Minneapolis, Aaron Rodgers' collarbone feels good. My source is Rodgers whose injury has healed well enough to play golf. Now, this morning, he low-key teed off on the Packers for not retaining Rodgers quarterback coach Alex Van Pelt. And worse, not consulting a franchise quarterback? What were some of those changes you thought were a little curious? Well, my quarterback coach didn't get retained. Yeah, You know, I I thought that was uh, an interesting change, uh, really without consulting me. there's a close uh, connection between quarterback and quarterback coach. Um, and uh, that was an interesting decision. All right. Now, Rogers also acknowledged today that if Brett Favre finished his career elsewhere, it could happen to Rogers down the road as well. As for dissatisfaction with Van Pelt's departure, Adam Schefter, it's one thing for the Packers to make a move without Rogers' blessing, but something altogether different to do it without at least keeping him in the loop. Does this development have the making of a problem or is this something Rogers will eventually get over? 
Michael, I think it's a potential issue here. Clearly, it bothered Aaron Rodgers. You don't hear him speak out like that very often. You don't hear very many quarterbacks speak out in that particular way. Alex Van Pelt found his way to Cincinnati to become the quarterback's coach. And keep in mind, this is an offseason in which the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are expected to sit down and try to hammer out a deal that would make Aaron Rodgers the highest paid player in all of football. Consider this the opening salvo in those talks. Aaron Rodgers goes into those talks not particularly pleased with the developments on the coaching staff. Now, saying that, they could sit down, they could hammer out a big deal, Aaron Rodgers could be a lot happier. He could like working with his new quarterback's coach, Frank Signetti, and could be much happier. But right now, going into the offseason, Aaron Rodgers made it perfectly clear today, Michael, that he's not particularly pleased with the way the Green Bay Packers treated his former quarterback's coach. Always a pleasure to consult with Adam Schefter. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, Michael. The way things are going, it sort of doesn't look like the Cavs are going very far in the playoffs. Definitely not a fourth straight finals. Coming up where LeBron should take his talents this summer. I'll tell you where he's not going. No way in hell he's going to no daggone Golden State. Never say never, never. But I guess we'll milk this because that's what we do, right? Right. Big deal for the Big Easy, seven-seeded Pelicans trading for Chicago's Nikola Mirotic in his 42.9% shooting from three this season in exchange for a 2018 protected first-round pick, Omer Ashik, Tony Allen, and Jameer Nelson. In the process, the Pelicans were able to create a roster spot to sign Nolan native Greg Monroe, who was just bought out by the Suns. Meanwhile, DeMarcus Cousins sharing a post-Achilles surgery photo. Get well soon, big fella. Hashtag the resurgence, hashtag zero dollar. I like that. So meanwhile, the Bulls into Thursday with the NBA's sixth worst record. They got worse, so good job. Uh, Woj, you spent time recently with Anthony Davis, and he talked to you about wanting to be part of a winner. And like, Golden State, they're not losing sleep over this, but Dell Demps perhaps putting together a front line of Davis, Miritich, and Monroe in the aftermath of losing Boogie. This is the type of aggressive maneuvering Davis has been looking for, right? Well, especially losing uh, Boogie Cousins for the rest of the season, that they didn't pack it in in New Orleans. They want to get in the playoffs. And so now they do the Meritich deal, uh, and they imagine him as uh, coming off the bench, and Greg Monroe is their starting center to replace Cousins if they can get Monroe signed. Uh, Alvin Gentry, their coach, talked to Monroe last night. And getting uh, a chance to be a starter in his hometown has, makes the, the Pelicans a favorite right now to sign uh, Monroe. He may make a decision by this weekend. All right. Now let's look at some of the other notable players who are rumored to be available. You got uh, DeAndre Jordan, Lou Will, Kimba, George Hill, Tyreek Evans, whom, like the Bulls did with Miritich, the Grizzlies have shut down amid trade talks. So who is your phone buzzing about the most as we are a week away from the trade deadline? DeAndre Jordan's still dictating the market. He's still the biggest player available out there, literally, figuratively. Uh, one team that has checked in with the Clippers is Portland on DeAndre Jordan, and they've exchanged some ideas with L.A., uh, and they're contemplating in Portland whether they want to really pursue a deal here. Portland's president of basketball operations, Neil O'Shea, he drafted DeAndre Jordan early in the second round when he was the Clippers GM. So he has history with him. Yeah, it's so interesting that we're here now with DeAndre Jordan and even where Blake Griffin is now. Remember, wasn't that long ago where they was that whole, him in. They were locking him in, and now <laughs> it's get out. So thank you. Thanks, Walter, we appreciate it. All right, that collective sound you heard after our own Chris Haynes reported that LeBron would take a meeting with the Warriors in the offseason if Golden State cleared a max salary slot was the sound of NBA fans' head exploding. Sources told Haynes that James would listen out 
uh, because he has respect for the Warriors winning culture. <laughs> and man, did the hot takes come pouring in after that. We'll get to Steven Jackson's hot take on this in just a moment. But the plot thickens. The Athletics' Tim Kawakami, he tweeted that the Warriors actually had internal discussions about going after LeBron in 2016. Of course. After losing game seven to the Cavs. That was then. That this is now. But they focused okay. on him. Right. losing Barnes and whatnot. Let's continue on with this theme of LeBron leaving and discuss some possible destination. There's Houston where he could team up with CP3 James Harden. Their biggest hurdle, got to get rid of Ryan Anderson. Then there's San Antonio playing for Pop, playing alongside Kawhi Leonard. Spurs would have to create space, though, and need to lose Gasol, Danny Green, and Rudy Gay. Then there is Los Angeles where he can go to the Lakers or the Clippers. Lakers will have enough cap space to sign LeBron while the Clippers would need to make a few moves. But before we talk about where LeBron should go, S. Jax, what was your reaction to this report that LeBron is willing to listen to the Warriors if they clear a max salary? Profanity. <laughs> that, that and hot air. It was just, that was just hot air. I, I, me, I know it would never happen. Yeah. See, we say that, and Mike, you said this earlier. We thought Durant thought that would never happen. Him going back to Cleveland – Thought that would never happen. I'm not saying that I'm here to feed the conspiracy theories. Yeah. But I, th- I do think with LeBron James is the one player where when it comes time for him to make a decision, all options are always all so on the table. Before it was Durant would never go to the team that beat him. Mm-hmm. Right? Or LeBron would never go back to Dan Gilbert. Right? right? But the other side wanted them. Golden State does not want LeBron, has no reason to want LeBron at the cost of their current roster is the reason why this won't happen, even if LeBron would swallow his pride and if he can't beat him, join him. So moving aside for something that we agree will never happen, where should he go? Jamel just laid out the teams. What team should he sign with this offseason? If I had my choice, I would say San Antonio. I would love to see you know. I would love to see Kawhi with another mega star. You know, I don't consider LaMarcus Aldridge a star. You know, if you're a star, you can go left and right. You can't just go right. He just go right. He don't go left at all. LeBron and Kawhi, that'll be awesome for the game. That'll, that'll uh, have them competing in the West, probably at the top of the West. I think it'll be good for the game. You know who I got in the West? Not a big market. Portland. Nice. Go to Portland. You saw C.J. McCown drop 50 in 29 yeah. minutes Ooh, with yes. that backcourt. Go to Portland. If you want, want to join an up-and-coming team. And they got a big man now. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Stephen. We appreciate you joining us. All right, bro. Okay, uh, era controversy hovers over tonight's huge UConn-South Carolina game on ESPN. This is the Gamecocks' first game since Missouri Athletic Director Jim Sturt accused South Carolina fans of spitting on and directing racial slurs at Missouri players during their game last Sunday, which South Carolina won. Here's Sturt placing the blame on Dawn Staley, followed by her response to the accusations. It wasn't a great atmosphere. It was really kind of unhealthy, if you will. Um, we had... Um, you know, players spit on and called the N word. It was not a not a good environment, and uh, unfortunately, I think you know, Coach Daly um, promoted that kind of atmosphere. The accusations um, are serious and false, and they will be handled in a manner reflective of of those facts. Did I lose a little sleep last night? Yes, yes, obviously, but. You know, there's another game to be played. I, I'm responsible for, you know, 12 individuals that want to that wanna beat UConn. All right, here's what SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, who will attend the UConn-South Carolina game, had to say about the alleged incident. I have had discussions with athletic directors at both institutions. Competition among SEC teams is highly intense, but can never compromise the expectation of respect between our institutions. 
Coach Pingenton and Coach Staley have both worked tirelessly to build nationally ranked teams, compromised of outstanding student athletes, and both teams should be celebrated for their success. I look forward to meeting in person with both athletic directors very soon to reaffirm these shared priorities and expectations. All right, there's Gabby Williams warming up, one of the marquee players featured in tonight's amazing matchup between number one UConn and number seven South Carolina follows this fine program. All right, we now welcome in Holly Rowe, who's right there in Columbia. Look, there's a lot going on with this game that has nothing to do with the game itself. So, Holly, you're there. Give us an idea of what the atmosphere is actually like. Well, you know, the fans were waiting here, hundreds of fans, about two hours before the game, waiting to get in. They're expecting a near sellout, over 12,000 people on hand. The fans did take some of those comments very personally, but everyone I've spoken to said they're just going to move forward. In fact, Dawn Staley said today that she would encourage the fans to be yourself. She said, I've gotten to where I am by being myself, and that's what I want our fans to be because they've been incredible. If you consider... They were averaging about 1,800 fans a game before John Staley got here. Now they're averaging 12,000 fans a game. So this has been a very healthy environment and a very difficult place to play, which is what it's supposed to be. Uh, They have positioned some extra security by the tunnel, um, more so just to discourage any behavior, but also to make sure that there are extra eyes that if any incidents do occur, that they can document that. But uh, that's the only concession, two extra security guards right posted by the tunnel where the players would leave the court for the opposing team. Uh, Okay, now on to the game itself. We have two of the best players in college basketball in Asia Wilson and UConn's Gabby Douglas. What's kind of at stake for them tonight? Gabby Williams, sorry. I said Douglas. I know. I knew where you were going. Another great. They're both great. They are. Yes. No, they're beautiful. To me, these are the two best players in the country. I'm, I'm a little biased. I'm obsessed with Gabby Williams. She is probably the most athletic woman we have in the game. She does stuff on the court that you've just never seen. And she gives up about eight inches to Asia Wilson. Um, so she's a much smaller defender. But she said to me today... I might be smaller, but I'm a lot quicker. I have to beat her to spots on the floor, and Asia Wilson is going to use her size and strength. But the most impressive thing, Asia Wilson is averaging over 20 points a game despite being the focal point of every defense built to stop her this season. So it's going to be an incredible matchup. All right, Holly, I saw your tweet from earlier, and you look gorgeous, as you always do. All right? The Pregame HQ is brought to you by Domino's. Are you set for the game? Get ready for kickoff and order now at dominoes.com. The pregame starts here. Saturday night, Tom Brady could become a three-time MVP. Sunday, he will become the first quarterback to start a Super Bowl at 40 years old and the oldest non-kicker or punter to play in the Super Bowl. Brady's thrown 91 passes this postseason, his most ever prior to any of his eight Super Bowl appearances, and is yet to be picked. Keith Oberman on Tom Brady's ongoing bout with Father Time, which has Brady ahead on points. All right. I'm 38. I was about to say, by that standard, I guess that guy's old, too. I feel 58. <laughs> Randy might have joined us in a moment. I bet he can still go. Oh, I, I bet. I bet he'd toss up the hand right now. Right. Right off the line of scrimmage. Absolutely. Dopest move in the NFL history. He's going to join us in just a moment, so stick around. He should throw that thing up. <laughs> We got a couple of fine gentlemen here. We got Jim Trotter 
For more on Rob Gronkowski's completion of the concussion protocol, followed by Sal Pal, of course, with the latest on the Eagles scare or health scare, that is. Uh, Jim, we'll start with you. Uh, with the Patriots today, Gronk, of course, cleared from concussion protocol. He's ready to go. Just how thrilled are his teammates? Look, they're extremely excited. When I spoke to James White, he said to me, I know Gronk's excited. We're all excited. Went around and spoke to Dwayne Allen, tied in. He said Gronk was chomping at the bit to get back out on the practice field. Even talked to uh, some of his other teammates about it. They all said, Rob is ready to go. Uh, I mean, he's a great player, and um, he does a lot for our team on the field, in the locker room, uh, just being out there. So I'm really happy to to see him back and, and ready to go. Gronk is Gronk. He's still a beast. Thank you. Yep. He's a difference maker. I mean, it's not necessarily an adjustment for me. Uh, I just want to do my job, whatever the coaches ask me to do. But it's definitely great to have him out there. Um, it was just a great challenge for defenses, and he's a good player and a good teammate. If you'll remember, Gronk missed last year's Super Bowl with a back injury, and he said there's no added motivation playing in this year's game. But offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels told me he did remind Gronk that at last year's Super Bowl parade, Gronk said he would be back this year and in this game. All right, thanks, Jim. We appreciate it. Now, Sal Pal, uh, what is going on with the health of the Eagles? Because it sounds like they could use lots of Purell in their locker room. And a lot of chicken soup, Jamel. I count three defensive starters who are battling the bug. Let's go through it. Linebacker Michael Kendricks told us today that he's had a head cold. He said it's been going through the entire team. Ronald Darby missed the media availability today due to an illness, but he was on the practice field today at the University of Minnesota. Number three and most important defensive tackle, Timmy Jernigan. Also missed practice today, missed the media availability, two days out of practice with an illness. And the last time I looked, Jamel, Timmy Jernigan is a very important component of what the Eagles want to do, get push up the middle against Tom Brady. All right, thanks, Sal, for that report. We appreciate it. I was lazy. That don't win championships. I want to see you mother get out here and start running. It's not my job, man. This is what you're training. It's not my job. It builds, you know, special relationships because you're doing things that, and how do you build trust? How do you build real love and caring for one another? You have one job, and that's to run. You know, run three routes and then, and then cry. It's enjoyable. Well, I was trying to do a couple short routes because he was trying to cheat me. How am I trying three, to? Three, six. You're trying to cheat me half the day is kind of hardcore work and then half the day is a lot of fun man <laughs> randy Moss, if, if that was tom brady 10 weeks before the season what's he like in the week leading up to the super bowl <laughs> man I, i'm gonna tell you what i hopefully calm like that but you know what, what what really stood out to me right there watching that michael was that man is in montana training how many guys you know <laughs> To go to the state of Montana to go train. to Miami. <laughs> no, being being able to to be secluded and just homing in and working on some of his weakness and polishing up some of his strength. That's why Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever do it. Hey, you would know firsthand. Hey, interesting quote today from Robert Kraft. He did an interview. I think it was with NFL Network, uh, talking about the the questions and the reports from from ESPN in particular about the organization. He said, "There's no dysfunction. There's tension, and I think a certain amount of tension." 
helps make great things happen. Now, you've been around your share of, shall we say, dysfunctional organizations, and you spent some great years with the Patriots. What did you observe when it came to that kind of healthy tension and what makes them be as successful as they are with all those alpha males uh, in that building? Well, I think that when you have the, the outside distractions coming in, uh, when you look at the success of the Patriots, that's just one, one of the, the very little things that fueled that team in to being successful is the, the critics and, and the people in disbelief. So I think that when you hear the owner, you know, talking about dysfunction and, and how that affects them uh, as, a, as a whole organization really means something because you didn't hear Bill say it. You didn't hear any of the players say it. That's coming from the CEO of the New England Patriots. So I think that's just something that really fuels that team is to really ignore the outside noise, but at the same time it fuels them to go out there and slaughter anybody that they put in front of them week in and week out. All right, Randy Moss, we appreciate it. you got a lot of adoring fans waiting for you, man. Enjoy your time in Minnesota. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Nice to see you, man. The thing is now you got you got the, the pressure on you now. Everybody's talking about you guys being in the Super Bowl this year or next Super year. Super Bowl? Who yeah. said that? What genius said, said no, that? No, a lot of the geniuses. What you know, geniuses? No, 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 Parcells no, used to use that term, you geniuses, like if you were twisting the knife just a little bit. Every Tuesday we'd spend the whole day making the game plan. It was Bill Belichick, Romeo Cornell, and myself. About two or three times a year on those Tuesdays, there'd be a knock on the door, and we were pretty sure who it was. And Bill would stick his head, and he'd say, uh, what have you freaking geniuses come up with this week? And Belichick usually had to, got the brunt of that because he's so smart. Belichick always wanted to venture out a little bit more. Parcells would kind of reel that one back in. Yeah, I haven't been this excited for a 30 for 30 in a minute. And that's no shade to the other ones. Like, this is going to be fascinating. I heard it took the director three years to get the bills together. Wow. That's our next ESPN 30 for 30 film presented by Blue Moon. The two bills, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, interviewed together for the first time since 91. That's tonight at 9 Eastern on ESPN and the ESPN app. And also, don't forget to check out Sports Center. Uh, immediately following the two bills, got my man Bucci and Zubin Mahinti. Big Z! <laughs> they have a complete breakdown of Blake Griffin's first game in the D. Uh, plus all the sights and sounds from Bill Belichick's career and a look back at why New England's Super Bowls under Belichick are so different from the other 40, the other four. All right. Hey, you know who had a great day? Ryan Shazier. Yes. Discharged from the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center Rehabilitation Institute today. Transitions into an outpatient therapy program. He can live at home and travel to and from a facility for his recovery from that December 6th spinal stabilization yeah, it's surgery. Amazing. Amen. Yeah.